episode of the New Craft House podcast is sponsored by Faf. We use Faf sewing machines in all of our sewing and in all of our workshops, and they really are the best of the best. With everything from beginner machines like the Smarter Range to the Ambition machines that we use in classes to the top of the range creative icon, Faf have something for every sewist. Welcome to episode six of our podcast. It's just me and Hannah here today. We're both in the studio because lockdown has eased a bit, so we can both be here together. Um, and we're going to be talking all about like starting to sew our journeys and how you can get started. But firstly, we haven't been here for a week, two weeks. Yeah, we had a break, a mid-season break. We're going to be doing 10 episodes per season with a short break between seasons. And we thought we'd have one week off in the middle. Yeah. So what have we been up to these two weeks? (laughs) Time goes so quickly at the moment, like I can't even... It's nearly July. Well, I have sewn a little bit, but not a huge amount. I did knit a whole little baby, a baby romper as a gift. Yeah. And I've started... It's a heat wave in London at the moment. It's really, really, really hot after about a week of storms of loads of rain so i've been trying to sew some and i've got them cut some miller trousers in linen by paper theory and some little baggy shorts as well so i don't think i have that much really hot weather suitable stuff in my wardrobe mm. um but other than that I've just been coming into work we've been uploading a lot more fabric lots more yeah we've got two scheduled to go this week which is a bit more than normal. We're just making our way basically through next door, like all the fabric. <laughs> yeah, it looked like we had an insurmountable amount of stock, but actually over the last few it months it's gone down quite a lot. And now that designers are returning to their studios as well, we're going to be getting new stuff in over the next month. So we had to clear space for that. And um, so that's kind of what we've been doing at work. Yeah. And I haven't sewn anything, but I have been knitting, which is like, a bit stupid actually in this heat. I got so hot last night in this. <laughs> I'm doing um, one of the good night day like chunky cardigans. So it's quite quick. It's on 10 mil needles, which is nice. That's not very seasonal. No, I know. It's going to be a while till I can wear it, but <laughs> it'll be nice to have something new in August. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about our sewing journeys we did in an episode for episode one um was sort of a get to know the new craft house episode and in that we talked about our business journey but we haven't really talked about how we got into sewing so we thought we'd start this episode seeing as it's aimed at beginners well we're going to cover a lot of stuff for beginners um and advice on equipment to invest in and what fabrics to start with we thought we'd start by how we got started sewing yeah. So do you want to kick it off? Yeah. <laughs> when did you first sew something? First, oh my God, I don't know. Like, to be honest, my mum always sewed when I was a child. Like, she was always making stuff around the house and things. So I probably made something when I was quite little, but I wasn't really interested in it. Didn't pay much attention. And then I did do textiles at school, GCSE. So that's probably when I actually learned how to use a sewing machine when I was like 15, I guess. Um, but I wasn't very good. <laughs> and also that textiles, you didn't make good stuff. 
Well, you could have done, but you like, like you weren't inspired to in our secondary school. No, I know. And in my report, the teacher actually said Rosie would do better if she wasn't scared of the sewing machine. It was terrifying, though. Those machines they had there were like so. Wonder like, why old it was. school industrial types that were like really fast and scary. Um, yeah. So then I probably didn't really sew anything for a couple of years after that. But then when I went to uni, I bought myself a little sewing machine and just started making stuff in my spare time. Um, but it was one of like quite a cheap model and it broke and I thought it was my fault. So I got put off a bit by that, which is a lesson to learn. What model was it? It was one of the, are we allowed to say? <laughs> yeah. It was one of like the John Lewis ones. I think they might have got better. It was actually one of the small ones as well. So it was like the lowest. Aimed at like a 10 year old. <laughs> it's not quite. 18. <laughs> it was pink. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was put off a little bit. But then when I graduated, which you probably heard a bit about in our story before, um, had loads of free time and that's when I just started sewing loads. So I went to the shop called C&H Fabrics in Winchester, which is where I was living at the time, and picked up some patterns there and got my mum to help me and just started making like skirts and dresses and things. Do you still have them? I think I don't. I think I threw away a few of like, my me made stuff a few years ago that I wouldn't ever wear. So you end up holding on to me made stuff because you think it's like more special, but actually, if you're not wearing it. And when most of your wardrobe's me made, then it's a lot less special. Yeah. Yeah, give them to charity. Yeah. Were you sewing garments straight away when you were at uni? Or did you start out with more simple things? I was making like tote bags and things out of scrap fabric. I don't think I made a garment. Did I? No, I don't think I did. I would like make presents for people and stuff. Mm. Which is like easier. You don't have to use a pattern and things. Um, so yeah, probably really got into garment sewing after university. So when I was like 21. We're both 30 now. So you guys can have a time frame on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been about, it's been probably under 10 years. I guess, or properly garment sewing. But as soon as you start, like, if you get the bug, then it, like, you learn really quickly. There's always a point when everyone seems to go a bit mad when they've got into, like, a few months after getting into it, then they go mad, sew loads for, like, two years. Mm. And then it slowed, has, well, for both of us, slowed down again. Yeah. I guess because you just have more clothes. Yeah. And you want to spend more time on projects. I remember the first like nice sort of patterns I used was a year after that when we moved to London we were in the same house and I remember finding a by hand London pattern in anthropology yeah. which is a bit when they, they had paper patterns yeah and they were stocked in anthropology and it was an Anna dress and I made a few of them and that like really got me into looking for more indie patterns and stuff yeah that's the first pattern I remember you making yeah the Anna How did you start? Well, I didn't do... No one in my house, like, my parents didn't sew. My dad used to make his Halloween costumes, but my mum never sewed. Um, and there wasn't a sewing machine at home. But my nana was a huge quilter. Like, had a whole room and, like, the, the biggest quilting cotton stash. It was massive. And she used to make these amazing quilts. So I think I'd been quite interested in it because 
I was like enjoyed talking to her about it but it was only what I wonder what actually spurred me on to get my first sewing machine in my first year at uni can't there must Free have time. been <laughs> maybe maybe it was that and I'm I didn't have any money and I spent my last 99 pounds of my student loan on this machine that was a Toyota one which I've never seen since then really where did you buy it from online somewhere um and it was really basic I sewed on it for years I think I must have sewn on it for about four years and then I upgraded um to a slightly better machine that cost about 220 pounds um and now I'm all about faff (laughs) (laughs) I mean we're spoiled for machines yeah we're spoiled for machines um but yeah, I was, so I was at uni and I bought that first machine and I didn't really know what to do. I remember doing like quilting on it, basically. And I had a lesson from my nana on how to do piecing and how to cut. And then I was making these cushions with loads of little squares of quilting cotton. And I was only buying quilting cotton. And my parents were living in Germany at the time. And in their little town, there was a like a really cool quilt. Well, it wasn't cool. But it was a really good quilting co- shop there. That had loads of quilting cotton and I actually cleared out my sash recently and I found loads of them and I think part of the fun was going in and buying like these little fat quarters and then not actually doing anything with them and now I don't really have any use for them so I don't really do much quilting so then that was when I first bought the machine I didn't do it at textiles like Rosie um and then I mu- it must have been in an Easter holiday, I think. And my nana came over to Germany to stay with us. Um, and she helped me make a dress. And it was a Liberty... I made it in Liberty Tana Lawn, which is pretty mad for your first garment, to waste that fabric. And it was a Colette... I remember it so clearly. Colette, yeah, me too. Like a shift dress. Kind it was of. a sh- Colette shift dress. I can't remember what the pattern was called. I'll try and find it. And I must have it still because I wouldn't have thrown that away. No. Um, and she helped me sew that. And it was all good, and but I didn't pre-wash it. And then when I washed <laughs> it, it, went, it was already pretty short. And then it was like crotch skimming. And I still wore it to Rosie's wedding ceremony. You did? Yeah. And it was not well fitted, but it was. I was really proud of it. And then, I, and then after that, I started doing a bit more... Um, bit more garment sewing and then I say it was when we moved to London that I that was when I had the bug and we were sewing like I remember our house we moved we lived together for the first year we were living in London and um we like used to take over the dining room living room yeah and sew stuff and it's quite exciting as well when someone else is there sewing so in the evenings you've got someone to like chat to while you're doing it and then that's when I went mad for sewing. But before that, I was just sewing little tiny projects, like you said, mm-hmm. like cushion covers or little pouches or... Oh, I went through a stage of sewing those flabbits. I remember that. Yeah, they were like these little floppy rabbit teddy things. <laughs> Found one recently, actually. Um, and stuff like that, like little weird things. And yeah, that was my sewing journey. Did you take any classes when you were starting out sewing? No, I didn't, but I had my mum there the whole time and she is a good sewist. 
Um, so I, like she helped me a lot. And I remember it was actually the first series of The Great British Zombie was on as well. <laughs> that was yeah. was that the one that Tilly was on? And yeah, Lauren. So I feel I feel like I learned a bit from that, or at least was inspired by. Because oh, you had the sewing machine that they used on. Yeah, the my show. dad bought me it as a present. That yeah. year, yeah, they must have sold so many of that model yeah. that year. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And there was actually there was like a a lady that my dad worked with who ran sewing classes in Winchester and. She let me come along for free if I, like, helped out, like, clean the machines and stuff. So I did do that. Oh, yeah, I remember you going to those. Yeah. Because I think that slowed me down a lot at the start when I was sewing and I didn't have anyone, like, on hand to show me yeah, how to do stuff. And I remember I was trying to make something and I was so confused and I was getting really, really stressed out. I think it was a by-hand London pattern. I think, because I think you'd... Oh, no, maybe we hadn't... Maybe that must have been later, if you discovered them after we moved to London. Mm. It was... Or maybe Colette, because Colette at that point were, like, were huge. They, If you read anyone's sewing blogs... Um, and actually, I think I was more obsessed with reading sewing blogs than I was with sewing at the start. There were people who, like, I used to just love reading their blogs. Um, and... I remember trying to sew a project and it said, kept saying the bias, the bias, and I didn't understand <laughs> it. And I kept Googling it and I still couldn't understand it because I had no basic knowledge of sewing, basically. Mm. I was just trying to sew a garment, but I didn't know what a dart was. I didn't notch anything, so nothing added up. I didn't, everything was probably just wonky on the fabric. And then my fabric decisions were questionable. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things, I think, fabric choices. But yeah, actually using a pattern is basic skill yeah and I think if I'd had a beginner dress intro to dressmaking class before that would have been you would learn so much I would have learned so much in that class it would have saved me a lot of time and a lot of wasted fabric yeah. at the start yeah that's the kind of stuff that we did learn in textiles GCSE but actually they make it so much more complicated than it needs to be like, whenever you make anything, you have to tack it by hand. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and then, like, uh, pin, tack, sew. That was it. Pin it, then tack it, then sew it. You don't even pin now. No. <laughs> that's probably why I'm rebelling against that. <laughs> you don't even pin your paper pattern to a fabric often. That's crazy. It's just, she just lays it on, puts, like, a phone on top of it and cuts around <laughs> it. Depends how accurate a pattern is. <laughs> leads us into our first tip for other people starting to learn to sew is we would really recommend going to a workshop to save you time um yeah yeah just loads of wasted time and probably wasted materials as well <laughs> yeah and the beginner workshops tend to be an a lower price yeah so you can probably find one for depending on where you are in london they're probably about 60 pounds 60 to 80 yeah, 60 exactly. to 100 depending on how much you cover in it you get some that are really short that are like two hours and they'll be how to use a sewing machine mm. but if you know how to use a sewing machine then you can probably skip that one yeah and if you know that you do want to actually like learn to make something like an item of clothing then it's worth just going for like a full day class yeah an intro to dressmaking one yeah 
that's the class that we run is intro to dressmaking. And if you've never used a sewing machine, then we recommend you come beforehand just for one-on-one -on -one for a couple of hours to learn how to use a machine first. But you don't need to like be good on a machine or anything to come to the intro class. It's, it is for beginners, but you sort of need a basic overview of the machine. Yeah, we kind of say you need to know how to thread it, the basic principle behind like using a sewing machine and be like confident stopping and starting and turning a corner. Yeah. But not much. I did have one girl come because she'd been bought it as a present from her bosses and she'd never used a sewing machine and actually she did fine. But in general, I <laughs> wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> if you pick things up quickly though, then you probably could skip it. Yeah. Because in the intro to dressmaking workshop, you learn how to measure yourself and cut a pattern to your size and what all those lines on the pattern mean, how to lay it out, how to cut it, how to sew a dart. Actually, does it have a... Yeah. It is a simple pattern. It doesn't have a dart, no. Um, but we do like a facing... Sleeve. And... Come on. Uh, uh, <laughs> Built-in, grown-in sleeve. Yeah. But you'll learn how to hem the importance of pressing. Yeah, pressing, fabric choices as well, yeah. cover. Just like everything that you need to not make, not silly mistakes, but like mistakes that will hold you back. Common mistakes. Yeah. Common things mistakes. that you will do if you are trying to do all this on your own. And you'll save yourself a lot of time. And the class is like five, six hours long. Yeah, it's like 10 till five with an hour break. So yeah, about five hours, I think. Um, and we're obviously not the only people who do them. There's like a few places around London who do intro classes. And I think sure the setup's kind of similar. Yeah. Probably. And if you're not near anywhere, then there are online classes as well. Mm -hmm. um, we'll share a link of all, loads of different stuff and resources. So have a look through there yeah. um, of different classes and we'll put some online ones on there. And online ones, it'd be like 20 to 30 pounds. Yeah. And also just like free tutorials on YouTube. If there's something like in particular that you're trying to do, like how to sew a dart or something, you'll find all that on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah, workshop would be my number one starting. And also the opportunity to be in, have someone there that you can ask loads of questions to. Mm -hmm. And get inspired by as well. Like they're going to give you so much more information than you would find otherwise. And meet some other beginner sewers. We've known people who make really good friends on those beginner classes. Yeah, and then they've come to events and workshops together for years. Yeah. Sewing pals. Yeah. <laughs> so you've come to a workshop. Would, would someone have to have their machine before coming to that workshop? No. No, because you, like, you don't have to have invested in a machine first. Like You might want to try try sewing a few things before you know that you want to buy one. We know yeah. people, like, people borrow machines. So many people have machines sitting around that they don't use and they're happy to, like, lend people. Yeah. And if you're a mad sewer as well, then you might have multiple machines. <laughs> yeah, or your first beginner machine. Yeah. That you're not using anymore. Yeah, I would recommend borrowing one, coming to the class. If you really feel like you're going to get the bug, then I would then invest in a slightly better machine starting out if you're able to. Yes. Because I feel that 
that first upgrade comes like rel- after a couple of Quickly, years, yeah. yeah, year to two years. And if you if you're going if it's something that you know you're going to be wanting to do loads of, then it's worth spending the initial a little bit more of money right at the start. Yeah, and if you come to a class as well, then the teacher will definitely be able to recommend you models and stuff. So you come to a class and then you want to start sewing at home. What equipment do you need to get started? Because starting any new hobby, it might look like you need loads of stuff. And I've heard people say that when they start, that's what's appealing about knitting is that you only need knitting needles and then your yarn. Mm. Whereas when you start sewing, there is a lot of equipment out there. But you don't need as much as it looks like, definitely at the start. So the machine, obviously you need a machine, whether it's borrowed or whatever, um, and you need a good pair of scissors. That is yeah. important. If you're trying to cut with like a kitchen pair of scissors or something, <laughs> it just takes you so long. <laughs> It'll be so much trickier. Fabric scissors are really sharp, and any sewist will tell you that if anyone uses them on anything other than fabric, then you'll like chop their fingers off. They <laughs> 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 blunt them so quickly. Um, but and they don't need to be expensive either. No, they don't. You see really fancy ones that are like 60, 80 pounds. Mm. But you can buy, in the workshop, we use um, a model of Fiskars. And they're actually really nice to use because they've got the comfortable rubber handle. Mm. And I think they're about 18, 20 pounds. Yeah, something around that. Um, and then you just can keep sharpening them. If you get one of the things where you can do it at home, or you can take them in to have them sharpened every so often. Yeah. That's something to think about when you're buying the scissors is the comfort of using them. Because if you're going to be cutting quite a lot, they can start to hurt your hands. Um, so Fiskars ones do really nice comfort ones. They also do one that likes ones that spring open. So you don't have to like do that opening gesture with yeah, your hand over and you over. get sore hands. Yeah. Um, and I actually have a pair of the nice, a nice company. I won't say where they're from, but one of like the UK made. And I find them way less comfortable to use than the Fiskars that we've mm. got here, if I'm honest. Because they're metal, or they're in enameled around the metal on the handle, and it's just nowhere near as comfortable. Yeah, and they can be heavier as well. They're, yeah, much heavier to use, stiffer to open, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would yeah, look at Fiskars, because they're easy to find. Lo- loads of sewing shops stock them. They're the ones with the orange handles, if you're not familiar with the brand. And they come in different lengths of like the blades. So super long ones are good if you're going to be cutting things like long dresses and things with like long seams. Um, and then they're gradually shorter. But for your first pair, just go somewhere in the middle, basically. And get a pair of snips as well. They're not essential, but they're a lot. it's a lot easier to pick up a small pair of scissors to cut the threads mm-hmm. um, than your big dressmaking shears. Less likely that you'll cut into the thing that you're making. Which I, everyone has done. Yeah. Um, so scissors, you need a tape measure. That's non-negotiable because you need to be able to measure yourself. Um, a flexible tape measure uh, to find what size to cut. Pins. Yeah, and we like using glass-headed pins because then if you iron over the top of them, they're not going to melt. And do, don't buy the cheapest pins because... Pins aren't expensive, full stop. And, like, I would just get a nice set. Because when you buy the really cheap ones, they're just... They'll go really scratchy at the end. They're probably plastic. 
um, on the ends as well, so they will melt if you touch them with the iron. And like we get rogue pins appear after some workshops in the studio, and then when you're using them, you just can feel them. They just they catch on your fabric, and they're not yeah. as as sharp and as nice. So just buy like one, yeah, three pound pot pins, mm-hmm. um, and then chalk, little set of chalk. Chalk is handy, yeah, for like marking notches um, and possibly marking around your pattern pieces. Yeah, again, not expensive. And pins, chalk, scissors. I think that's probably it to get started. With When you buy your sewing machine, you'll get a little bag that has in it some spare needles, spare bobbins, all the things you need to like Actually clean the machine, the machine and work the machine. Yeah. Um, eventually you are going to need more needles for the machine, but they should last you a little while for your first few projects. Yeah. And at a point as well, you're going to want more bobbins because... You fill them up. Yeah. But not for a little while. So those are my... Yeah, I think those are... Yeah, that's your essentials. And then you obviously need your matching thread to whatever project you're going to be sewing. And thread is worth also mentioning because when you start sewing i think it's really easy to to just pick up those really cheap threads Mm. that you'll often see for like 50p or actually when i started sewing someone gave me a like multi-pack of really cheap threads that was probably like two euros for the whole set and they were just the worst threads yeah they really affect how well your machine will sew so then you'll, if you're starting out sewing, you'll start having problems and you won't be able to diagnose them and it'll be because of something as simple as the thread, but that's, you won't know that, so it'll be really frustrating and it won't stitch as nicely. Your machine will get all fluffed up really quickly. Mm-hmm. So just right from the start, buy a nice brand of thread. Yeah, thread. And it's only, um, they're like £2 for a thread. Yeah. And you need one for each project, really. Yeah, for stuff. If it's a garment. Um, we use Guterman. Yeah. The one that we the ones that we stock on the shop are um hundred percent recycled. So they're a bit more eco friendly. Um but they also do like pure cotton ones. If you're sewing something in pure cotton then you probably want pure cotton thread. Um and they also do this thing called sew all, which is like good for pretty much everything. That's polyester. machine that you can buy very well the models vary considerably in price and in what they can do generally your basic machine will start around 100 pounds like you can find them a little bit cheaper than that but basically around 100 pounds and then the most expensive machine that we sell is 10,000 <laughs> that's the embroidery one but the most yeah, expensive but... sewing is 4,800 yeah but you can see there's like a huge difference um so obviously to start with you don't need to go top of the range but not necess- it's not necessarily a good idea to go for the absolute cheapest because you probably will want to upgrade quite quickly. Um, so it's worth looking at the features that each model has and what you think you're going to be sewing, what you need and don't need. And generally the machine will just handle fabric better. It will just be a more pleasant sewing experience. So take that into account as well. Because when you look at the features on a machine, if you're starting out, 
you probably don't know much about which ones you're gonna you're gonna need and they always say how many threads they have but stitches yeah how many stitches sorry but they don't like how many stitches do you actually use maybe five yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so don't get pulled in by that because it's really not important yeah the so we sell faff machines and their basic range is called the smarter range and they've got three in that range and they're all like between 100 and 250 something like that so they are aimed at beginners and they are really good machines but the one thing about those is that they don't have the IDT system which is what faff is like really well known for and it helps feed your fabric through as you're sewing from the top as well as the bottom so it really like eliminates a lot of problems you normally get when you're sewing um so if you want to go for something that does have that then the first one with that is the passport range um so they've got the passport two and the passport three and yeah normally for beginners we recommend one of those if if you want to spend that little bit more money because those machines really will last you um years we actually use the passport three on our boats and we can sew like anything we want on those i love my passport yeah it's such a nice machine really nice to sew on it has other extra features that you really definitely don't need like thread snips and little bits like that but but they're they're so nice to have (laughs) they're nice to have but that is not what makes it a really nice machine it's just really small so it's called the passport because it comes in a it's a slightly smaller model um than the quilting models that we use in all our workshops and it has a little case which keeps it all really compact and like you put the pedal into the case so it looks really neat and easy to store which is perfect for on the boats yeah but it's even if you didn't have a small space actually a normal size sewing machine is just smaller than their other models um but i love the passport and the passports the passport 2 is 489 and the passport 3 is 579 579 yeah so yeah they are a bit they higher are price up. but if you think that if you're going to buy one of the really beginner machines and you're going to want to upgrade in a couple of years then you probably will end up spending that money anyway at least yeah and there's often deals as well i think they there tends to be a deal around black friday mm-hmm um and in january or you could buy an ex-studio machine yeah and second hand machines as well it's a great like way to go if you're starting out because there must be so many sewing machines that people have that have not been used that much yeah so faf have an ambition range which has the 610 620 and 630 in it and we use the 630s in our workshop and they are really nice machines yeah and they're all called quilt ambitions which is a bit misleading because you don't have to quilt on them obviously you can do like normal sewing on them it just means they've got some features that are good for quilting like they've got lots of decorative stitches they've got a lot of space so like you could fit a quilt in there if you needed but they're all things that make dressmaking on them really nice even more pleasant yeah Yeah. um yeah so don't be put off if the machine says it is a quilting machine if you don't want to take the jump and invest in a machine before you've tried it out a little bit more, then do get in contact with your local sewing shops because a lot of them have evenings where you can go in and you don't pay much, but you can just use the machines for a few hours. So we do it 
not in lockdown days, but um, we will, when we're back open and running, we do Wednesday sewing evenings and it's £10 for three hours. And you just come in and it's unled, so you have to independently work on your own project. But that's a really... We've had people come along who just want to sit and practice sewing and see if they want to invest in a machine without making the financial commitment right from the start. Yeah. And there is, like, it's unled, but you can ask questions. And because there's other people there sewing as well, people can help each other out a bit. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with the beginner workshops. Like, if you don't already have a machine when you go to your first workshop, you might find that the one you use at the workshop you really like and you get a bit familiar with it in the class. So that might be the model that you would then look at buying and you can ask the teacher for more advice and stuff there. And when you do have your machine, like, you do need to get them serviced every now and then because, well, depending on how much you use it, but it's like any machine, like, after a bit of use, it will need a service. But you can generally find... like sewing machine shops that are for specific brands yeah there'll be like specialists in those brands and then you can take it to them and i think what is it like 50 quid normally for service between like 30 and 50 i think yeah and you might need to get it done every couple of years yeah and if you need you might need some they'll basically reset the timing so get it back to how it was when you first took it out of the box um and just check it's working and give it a really good clean all inside as well which you can't you can clean it a little bit but not all the way inside um so yeah every two years you need to do that but you don't other than that the only upkeep you need to do on your machine is a clean every so often yeah and if you're having some faults with your machine then a clean is the first thing you need to try get as much of the dust out of it as you can and contact where you bought it from as well if you're having problems. Like we get quite a few messages from people who are having little issues with their machine and then it's really easy for us to send a list of things to try and generally one of them helps sort out the problem. Yeah. Um, or sometimes if we need to help a bit more, we'll do video call with them so we can talk through pro- different um, things that might be causing the issue. And um, It's normally fixed in like five minutes, so it's normally something really simple. Yeah. And that is a benefit to buying a machine first hand as well as that you well, you should have warranty on it. So if something does go wrong, you will get help. Yeah, and we'll arrange a fraction of the machine. Mm-hmm. And get it fixed. You've got your machine and you've got your essential bits of equipment. What is the next step? Fabric and a pattern. And fabric is really daunting when you first start out sewing. We made some really terrible decisions. Yeah, it's really hard to know how the fabric you choose is going to affect like the finished garment you make, Um, but it does make a huge difference. So the first thing to check really is on your pattern, they will have suggested fabrics for that pattern. So it's normally on the back of the packet. You don't even need to buy the pattern first. You can just check on the back and it'll say like, maybe suitable for lightweight viscose, lightweight cottons, something with good drapes, something like that. It will normally give you a few options as well. Yeah. And you can take that, like if you're in a shop, you could ask um, a shop assistant, like, what about where are these fabrics? Like, can you show me one that fits one of these? And if you're online, it's a bit trickier, obviously, but you can just send an email. Like, we get emails quite often and we're happy to help. Yeah, or Instagram messages. 
of people asking for a recommendation for a pattern or saying like I've seen this fabric on your website is it suitable for this yeah and sometimes it's just really not as well (laughs) and we're saying no actually don't pick that but pick something like this or we don't have anything like this but look here yeah people want to help you they don't want you to fail so they will Mm. be honest (laughs) yeah and you don't want to be buying fabric that then is just going to sit there because you get it and you you realize it's then not suitable like we made some the, I remember one of the first times we went fabric shopping, we bought some of the most horrible fabric. Not because of the colour or the design, because we're not talking about taste, but the actual fibre content. It was this really staticky polyester. Mm. And we made full length dresses. <laughs> well, I did. I think I quit halfway through mine, <laughs> but you finished yours. Looking back, I think it was probably lining fabric. And we just didn't have a clue. <laughs> and we'd gone up to Walthamstow Market and we bought it from one of the shops up there. Yeah. And, yeah, it just made the sewing really difficult because it was slinky, it was slivering all around the place. It was probably cut really badly as well because it was so difficult to handle. And then the finished garment was just this sweaty, sticky polyester dress. <laughs> things not to do (laughs) so just ask the question to the person where you're buying the fabric from um that's where i'd start Mm -hmm. they'll definitely be happy to help another thing that the pattern will say is whether it's for stretch or non-stretch fabric um so if you're in a shop you should be able to like feel if the fabric's got stretch just by like pulling it a little bit Um, and online it will state if it's stretch or non-stretch and it will normally give you a percentage of stretch and the pattern will normally suggest a percentage of stretch it needs. So it might say like 20% width waist stretch. And that is important because if you're sewing a swimsuit or some active wear and it will say you need a 30 to 40% stretch and then you go and buy something that's 10% stretch, it it's just not going to fit. Yeah. Because it needs that negative ease to get on your body. Yeah. So don't think, because I think when I started sewing, all these things, I was like, oh, can't be that important. That's probably not that important. And then actually, it's extremely important. Yeah. And you want to sew things that you, you don't want to waste your time making something that's not going to fit. You probably all know that we are huge fans of faff machines. We use them in all of our workshops and when we're sewing at home on our boats. So what do we love most about them? They're super smooth to sew on with a sleek design and their iconic IDT system Essentially a built-in walking foot makes handling all types of fabric a dream. We honestly couldn't sew what we do without them. Get in touch with us if you fancy a machine upgrade or if you'd like to know more about any of the models. And another thing to think about when you're buying your fabric is what fibre you might want your finished garment to be made out of. So all fabrics are obviously made of fibres and there's loads of different ones that they're made out of. So generally there's synthetic and non-synthetic or man-made and natural. And... Natural obviously has some benefits, like it's breathable often, um, like cotton, but it can be more expensive. What are the you negatives? might not even know what you like as well. So I would go and look in your clothes yeah, and see what they're made of, because if you don't sew, people just have no idea what their clothes are made out of. Mm. And generally, if it's shop-bought, they're going to be using the cheaper end of fabric or fibres so you'll probably find a lot more man-made fibres with the stuff from the high street and if you if you read a 
um, something on the label and you don't know what that is, then just Google it and you'll find out exactly what it is. Like viscose, which you'll probably also have some clothes made of that, um, is a cellulose fibre, so it is plant-based mm -hmm. um, and it's just processed in a different way. So do look up what they're made of. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you'll learn quite a lot doing that and looking for your wardrobe, I think. Yeah. And you will, they are more breathable. That's my main incentive to buy natural fibres because I'm, I'm noticeably more comfortable yes. in them than in synthetic. Especially in like hot weather. If you're wearing a polyester or something, you are really going to notice it's going to make you hot. That's why stuff like cotton, linen, silk is so nice to wear in hot weather. Yeah, really, really breathable. And if you want to make something that's going to last you years and you're going to want to wear for ages, then it's worth investing in your fabric to start with, I think. Yep. So at the moment, it's obvious that you're going to be shopping for fabric online. Places have opened up though. Yeah, some places in London have appointments where you can book a little slot and go in, wear a mask. Yeah. Um, but probably most of you are shopping online at the moment. I know I am. I don't feel much desire to go back into shops. Okay. Um, so ask questions. If you're starting out sewing, then that would be my advice. Get in touch with the shop owner on Instagram. is probably the easiest place to message them. Um, and ask about fabrics if you're buying. Some places that you can look online and that we know have really good customer service so you know you're going to get a reply pretty quickly. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're going to be top of that list. <laughs> yeah, obviously in the South House. But So Me Sunshine, yeah. um, Sister Mintaka, Sandeep at Sister Mintaka has really nice fibres. Mm -hmm. um, and she does these really nice movement um, videos for all her fabrics that she's uploading actually so you can see them moving so it's quite handy if you're starting out merchant and mills have really nice fabrics but they're a bit more expensive yeah they are a bit fancier but if you're investing in like a really nice garment or something like for a treat then we sometimes shop there and they have a really nice shop as well down in rye, rye. Yeah. yeah don't know if they're open yet but they will be eventually i'm sure so that's worth a trip and also if you're in London, then the Liberty Haberdashery Department is so nice to go for just like a little inspiration trip. Or, you know, buy fabric. My mum buys fabric in Liberty. We used <laughs> to go like all the time trend. for inspiration. Like we just wander around, but I haven't been in Liberty in years. I don't think. Really? Like, probably well over a year. haven't been in there. Oh, I go in probably every four months or so. Just for like a walk around. They've done it up recently and it's really nice up there. Yeah, I haven't been since they did it up, I don't yeah. think. And they do have sales as well. When they have sales, the fabric is obviously a bit cheaper. And you're buying, you're spending the extra money for the print and you also like a guaranteed quality of the fabric. Yes. And just a lovely shopping experience. So <laughs> yeah, it's quite nice for a treat. If you're going to be shopping in person. And you're in London. Yeah. Ours are quite London centred here because... That's where we do our fabric shopping. That's what we know, yeah. But our favourite is Gold Hawk Road. Mm -hmm. 
if you haven't been, you need to go. But I would say if you're starting out sewing, it's extremely overwhelming. I would take someone who knows about fabric and knows about sewing. Yeah. Or keep an eye on the meetups as well. London um, Stitches Stitches Meetup often go there. Yeah. And join into one of them. Or reach out to someone on Instagram because people love showing people. Yeah, and they love fabric shopping. They want an excuse to go. Yeah. It's essentially like a small road in Shepherd's Bush and it is all just fabric shops. And they, from the outside, they all look pretty similar, but there are like slight differences between them. And the more you go, the more you like get your favourites and you just go to those ones. Yeah. But they've got everything there, like everything. And there's lots of rubbish there, but then some of them have some amazing fabrics and some of them are really expensive. Mm-hmm. Some of them have like the most beautiful bridal silks. And then some have like walls of fake fur and... Then there's a leather shop, like it has everything you'd want. But it is quite overwhelming because there are these like little tunnel of a shop with so much fabric in there. Yeah. Um, You sort of need to know what you want when you're going in. Yeah, that's a good point actually, to have a list of the pattern that you want to sew with, how much you need for it and what type of fabric it needs to be. Otherwise you're going to come out, We've every time we go to Goldhall Road we come out with bags of stuff that just sits around yeah because you didn't have a plan for it and actually we haven't been in ages because of all our fabric here so yeah we're a little yeah we don't do as much fabric shopping now um but yeah Goldhawk Road is my number one and then there's also Walthamstow which has a few fabric shops and then the man outside Sainsbury's um worth a visit have some gems and then the other place where you can find a lot of fabric shops in one place is Soho. Yeah, Berwick Street. And that's the higher end of fabric shopping in London. Yeah, really fancy shops like Berwick Silks. Cloth House. Mm. Some like bridal ones. And there's also, is it Joel's and Son or Joel Joel and Sons. Yeah, they're a really fancy fabric shop in, Ed- is it Edgware Road? I think it's Edgware Road. So if you want something like really special, then that might be worse and when we say really fancy we're talking hundreds of hundreds pounds, of pounds, of pounds <laughs> to, <laughs> you know yeah, like, like another level fancy yeah but it's some, fun to look at though someone who came to a workshop said that she goes and goes through their remnants mm. and that's like her treats to herself is going to joel and sons and buying remnants yeah so on the back of your pattern um, as well it will also say how much yeah, fabric really you need expensive for fabrics. that um pattern so when you go fabric shopping it's worth like jotting that down so you know exactly how much you need. You're so you don't buy end too up much. on your phone trying to zoom in on the... Yeah, which we do quite a lot. And fabric comes in different widths as well. So it will give you different lengths requirements based on different widths. So that's something you need to check in the shop as well. And sometimes they are over generous with how much you need. So it will say you need 3.5 metres for this project when actually when you come to sew it, you can squish your pattern pieces into 2.8 so make a note of that if you have sewn a project yeah and it does depend what size you're sewing as well because often they'll just give you one fabric requirement for all sizes so if the pattern goes up to a size 28 and you're going to be sewing like a 12 you obviously aren't going to need all of that but some of them do break it down into size brackets so that's worth checking as well um and what actual patterns would we recommend for a beginner well if you are a 
like just starting out with your sewing, I would start with not a garments. So do a few like little projects first. Um, but then for your first garment, you want something that's unfitted in a woven fabric. Yeah, something that, yeah, a woven fabric that isn't going to be like too slippery, basically. So it'll be easier to sew. Yeah, a cotton or a linen, both nice to sew with. Um, but yeah, and with no closure. Yeah, because zips and things like that are fiddly. And buttonholes, you don't want to be starting out with those. Mm -mm. patterns would we recommend to beginner sewers? So I would make sure that you are picking an unfitted garment, mm. one without a closure because zips and buttonholes and things are tricky when you're starting out, in a woven fabric. Yeah, something that isn't going to be too slippy and fiddly to sew. Yeah, look for a cotton or a linen, both really nice and easy to sew with. Mm. And most patterns will, like, especially if they're indie, they'll say how tricky they are. Like, if they're for beginner, intermediate, advanced sewists. So that's, like, a good place to start, is just actually look for beginner patterns. And some companies, like, specialise in beginner patterns. Yeah, Tilly and the Buttons is a really good place to start. Yeah, I'd say most of their patterns are suitable for beginners. Yeah. And their instructions are really easy and clear for following. Yeah. And you want, if you want to avoid areas where you're you're going to find it a little bit more confusing then don't do anything where you have to insert a sleeve or um or sew darts or any anything that's a little bit tricky like that for your first garments that you're making you want something that's loose unfitted um with no complicated features on it yeah and that makes it more likely as well that it's actually going to fit and you're going to be able to wear it at the end if it's like quite a loose fitted thing. What we use in our um, intro to dressmaking class is the Tilly and the Button Stevie. It's like a top and a dress. You can do either. It's like a tunic style. So that's quite a good one to start with. Yeah, and it's something that you're going to want to wear after. Easy to wear. Yeah. Because the most disheartening thing is when you sew something and spend ages working on it. And then you can't wear it. Yeah. And it really kills your sojo. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, like, maybe you're a bit more confident, some of our other favourite pattern companies are By Hand London, Closet Case Patterns, True Bias, Named Clothing as well. We really like their patterns. Paper Cut. Paper Cut, yeah. Generally, I would do an indie pattern because the instructions will be better. And also, if you go on the pattern company's website, a lot of them have sew-alongs. So if you search the name of the pattern and plus sew-along, then you'll likely find a lot more resources online with added help. Yeah, like really, really in-depth instructions. And also you can search the hashtag on Instagram and you'll find other people who've made it and perhaps like some alterations they might have had to do or advice that they'd give to other people sewing it. But there's, yeah, there's a lot more help out there than just the instruction booklet. I used to only sew with the sew-alongs. Yeah, you can on some. Because I never treated it like a sew-along, where I'd do each day as they released it. But it's quite nice when you're sewing a project that's just all there with extra information and really good photographs of the steps. Yeah. 
So those would be our recommendations. And then work up to something a little more fitted and don't shy away from stretch fabrics. Um, lots of people take, like it takes people years to sew with a knit fabric. Yeah, it did us, I think. Yeah. And then actually they're easier to fit because they have some give. They're not difficult to sew with. No. Um, a little bit more tricky to handle the fabric maybe. But you probably find that you actually wear quite a lot of knit fabrics if you wear t-shirts, um, jumpers. Yeah, a lot of like the basics in your wardrobe will be stretch fabrics. And people think that you need like a special machine to be able to sew them, like an overlocker machine. And whilst that does make it quicker and perhaps a bit easier, like you can just use a normal sewing machine. Yeah, we, we only sewed on a normal sewing machine for years, making yeah. t-shirts and things Yeah, and underwear. And Tilly in the button that buttons actually has like a book specifically for stretch fabrics called Stretch. And that will like give yeah. you loads of tips if you're interested in sewing stretch fabrics. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you found it helpful if you are just dying out on your sewing journey. And if you know anyone that you think this would be useful for, please do send them over the link so they can start their sewing journey. Thank you to Faf for sponsoring and thanks to Fred for editing and see you next time.